This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Wow, thanks so much, guys. And yeah, so the question is, what have you been filling yourself with? What have you been placing in your vehicle instead of the petrol? What are you looking to for fulfillment? What are you looking to for gratification? And I want to tell you about four levels of happiness. And so the first level of happiness is what we call immediate gratification. So immediate gratification is basically when you eat a really good meal or um, when you even go for a massage or when you, you know, eat chocolate. Those things give you immediate gratification. Even exercise, when you go for a jog and those endorphins are released, that gives you immediate gratification. But when you are only looking for happiness in that area, you're only going to have a very shallow level of happiness, right? So the second level is what we call ego satisfaction. So ego satisfaction is when you become successful or you drive a fancy car or you have a nice house, especially when you have a better car than someone that you don't like, you know? It gives you that sense of ego. And it does give a sense of happiness when we accomplish things, when we are successful, when perhaps when you get a degree. When we were in Potchefstroom, we were in an academic city, and it was very much about getting that degree. But once you got that degree, you had to get your honors degree. And once you got your honors degree, you had to get your master's degree. And once you get your master's degree, you get your doctorate. And then you need to get your postdoc. And it just goes on and on and on because it would never completely fulfill you. Does it give you a sense of, of happiness? Yes. To, be, to, to achieve something does give you a sense, but you're only in those bottom two rungs of immediate gratification and ego satisfaction. Then we go to the third one, and the third one is a deeper one, and that speaks of good beyond self, where we start to help other people, and we start to be generous. And it was once says that, said that we cannot prove that generosity brings happiness, but I've never met a generous person that wasn't happy. And so when we, do, when we start being good to others, good beyond self, when we start to lay down our lives for one another, it does bring a sense of happiness. But even the world can experience that. Those that don't know God also experience a sense of happiness by giving to others and by being generous. But it's only when we start to connect with the ultimate source that we can achieve fulfillment and not just a happiness that is on the surface level, but we start to get fulfilled when we start to connect with the ultimate source. And who is that? That is Jesus. It's only when we start to have a relationship with him, only he can really fill us and really give us what we are looking for. 
And so I want to ask you today again, what are you putting into your vehicle? Where are you looking for happiness? Are you looking for it in your relationships? Are you looking for it in your job? Where are you looking for your happiness and for your fulfillment? A few weeks ago, I was organizing this, this horse show. I don't know how it came about that I was organizing a provincial championship, but, but I started to really pour myself into making this competition a success. So I was posting posts every single day. I was writing little write-ups on the different classes that people could enter. I actually sent personal WhatsApps to 40 instructors that I don't know, inviting them to come and compete at the show. And I offered, I said to them, you know what, even if you've never done this discipline before, I will explain to you how to do it. And I had people sending me photos of their horses and saying, what can this horse do? And what can this horse do? And I was explaining to them what classes they could do. And then I had to explain to them what they could do in those classes. And I created a whole lot of work for myself, which I don't think my husband was too happy about, but I poured myself into this thing. And there was a stage where I, I thought, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I giving up so much time and so much effort? Why am I putting so much effort? And I, I said to this friend of mine that had actually asked me to do this with her, I said, no, I'm done. Because there's also a few politics in that world. And I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing this. And then she would convince me, no, we're doing it for our kids because we don't want this discipline to die and, and we, we, we want it to thrive. Remember how all the years of joy that we had, all the fulfillment of competing, and we want this thing to stay alive for, the, for, for our kids. And so I said, yes, I, I, we've got this beautiful show pony and we need to, he needs to do these competitions. So I just made that sacrifice. And it, it left me with a question of, do I put as much effort in for the gospel? Am I WhatsApping 40 people a week to please come and hear the, hear, hear the preaching of God's word, inviting them to church, inviting them to experience God? Am I, am I going to the same extent as I am for a horse show, as I am for him and for my king? for Jesus. And some of you are going, maybe there's an inch of guilt right now, and you're going, oh my gosh, I, also, I kind of feel a little bit guilty. And what I realized is the reason why it becomes hard to lay down our lives and to make that sacrifice is because we lose our view of Jesus. Our view of him and who he is becomes tainted. And it's only when we're looking at him and we're beholding him that we can give ourselves fully, that we can lay down our lives, that we can make those sacrifices. Because when you start making that sacrifice without seeing him, it becomes hard. It becomes works. We start doing things in our own strength. We become self-righteous. And Paul was at that place where he looked at his life and he said, I was a Hebrew of, of all Hebrews. I was a Pharisee. I was one of those guys that was persecuting the church. I obeyed the law without fault. And then he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. And you can only really get to this place when you start to see him and you start to know him. You know that even knowing church and knowing Christianity isn't enough. It's not about knowing church. It's not about knowing Christianity. It's about knowing him. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. Because when you know him, you can do this, what, what Paul was speaking about. You count everything else as worthless in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. And so I want to look at today, I want us to look at this Jesus and who, who he actually is. Because for some of you, you're kind of like, who is this? Who is Jesus? And we need to be constantly asking ourselves that question. Who is he? And we're going to be looking at Colossians 1. And if you look at Colossians 1 from verse 15 onwards, in the first six verses, if you're reading in the New King James, if you look at the first six verses, he, he, Paul mentions the word all eight times. He says Jesus is all. All he is, he is, he just says all, all, all the whole time he, when he, as he speaks about, as he speaks about Christ. And when you hear this word all, and we, we're going to look at the whole scripture in a second, but what does that actually mean? What does it mean? In Matthew sixteen twenty six, it says, "What benefit is it if you gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul?" Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And Jesus isn't just a means. He's the great end. He's the fullest and deepest revelation of God. And when we look at Colossians 1, I'm actually going to be looking at the, the New Living, which doesn't have the word all over and over again, but it's a little bit easier to, to, really, to really hold on to because I'm wanting the Lord to do a deep work. And it says in verse, verse, verse 15, it says, Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. So Jesus is the invisible image. So Jesus, we are created in the image, but Jesus is is the image. So when you are looking for purpose, you don't look at yourself and you go, I'm created in the image of God. No. Because you are created in his image. You look at Jesus and you go, that's how I'm supposed to look. That's how I was created to look because I'm created in his image. And then you can go, okay, this little bit of me, that's not quite like Jesus. So I think we better get rid of that thing. And that thing, we start to remove and we start to take off what is not Jesus and as we look into the mirror of his word, we look and we see Jesus and we go, okay, wait a minute, that part of me doesn't look quite like Jesus. Let me, let me get rid of that. But that, oh my gosh, that's who I am. That's who God created me to be. He created me to be like Jesus. 
And we've got to behold him. We've got to be looking at him so that we can see who we really are. And, and there's, a, there's a part in scripture where, where the, the Pharisees send some of their disciples to Jesus and they, give him, they, give it, they show him a coin of, and, and they say, should, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus says, whose image is on that coin? And they say, Caesar's. And he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And so when you look at yourself and you see, I'm created in the image of God, I'm saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. You belong to God. You are created in his image. And so you've got to give yourself to him. And he's supreme over all things. Then Colossians 1.16, we're going to be working through this, this, this part of Colossians. It says, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So like I said before, don't get so lost in Christianity that you forget about Christ, that you forget about who he is. And when, whatever you are busy with, when it comes to your walk with the Lord, I want you to start asking yourself two questions. When you walk out of this building, you've got to ask yourself two questions. Do I look more like Jesus? Am I becoming more like Jesus? And am I helping others to become more like him and to see him? That's it. That's the simplicity of it. So when you go to a prayer meeting, when you're reading your, your, your scriptures, when you, whatever you are busy with, the point is, am I becoming more like him? Am I becoming more like him? And am I helping those around me to become more like him, to see him, to know him? And we can get so absorbed, even in spiritual things, but when it speaks about this unseen world, I just want to touch on that, just for some of you. We can even get absorbed into spiritual things, hey? We start seeing spiritual things everywhere. And just to touch on, in Ephesians, when you go to the end of Ephesians, it says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the unseen world. And we go, oh, no, this is what our battle is against. So we've got to be aware of these things, Right? But in the beginning of Ephesians, it says that Christ is seated above principalities and powers. And then in Ephesians 2, it says, I am seated in Christ above principalities and powers. So we are seated above. When we are in Christ, we are seated above what our battle is against. We are seated in him. And the more we know him, and I'm not saying don't be... For those of you that are, are, are I'm not saying don't, don't be aware of those things, but the way, that we do, the, the way that we live this gospel is we bring Jesus in. We bring the light in. We shine his light and darkness flees. Okay. In John 5, 39, it says, You search the scriptures because you think that they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me and receive this life. So even when you're spending time in the scriptures, look for Jesus and, and ask the Lord, 
Lord, I want to see you, Jesus. I want to become more like you, Jesus. Otherwise, we walk around like the Pharisees, whitewashed tombs. We look very great and perfect on the outside, but we're dead on the inside. We need to have a relationship with him because the world can see it. They can see when we're just ticking those boxes nicely like good little Christians, right? The world can see it so quick. But when we have him, his love, his goodness, who he is, the glorious God of the universe living inside of me, the world wants him. The world wants to see him. The world wants to know him. We want to see him. We want to know him. We want to know who he is. And I want you to take the thing that's consuming you, and I want you to place Christ over that thing. Place that thing in him. Colossians 1.17 says, He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Do you feel like your life is falling apart? The scriptures tell us that he holds all things together, even that thing. Give it to him. Surrender it to him. In Psalm 8, it says, When I look to the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you care for him? And the son of man, the son of man that you are, sorry, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. You know, the Lord who created this vast universe, the stars, the skies. I mean, some of us don't even have time to look at these things anymore because we're so busy looking at our phones, right? We can can look at the things on our phone, but have you ever stopped to just look at a sunset now and again? Especially if you go up to Duran Crane, um, where I live, we can't see the sunset so well. But if you drive down that hill and you just see the sunset, and you go, wow, that's what the Lord created. But what what am I that you are mindful of me, that you created the sun, you created the moon, you created the stars, you created every blade of grass, and yet you think about me, Jesus. How amazing is that? And not just me. (laughs) He's thinking about all of us. So when you're facing these situations, just think about Jesus. Say, Jesus. Just even if you have to say his name to remind you what you are focusing on and what you are looking to. Colossians 18, um, sorry, verse 18, Colossians 1, verse 18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning and supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to dwell in Christ. And then he takes us and he puts us inside of himself. All God's fullness inside of Christ, and he places us inside of him. And I want to read a piece of John Piper's book to you. It says, a lion is admirable for its ferocious strength and imperial appearance. A lamb is admirable for its meekness and servant-like provision of wool for our clothing. But even more admirable is a lion-like lamb and a lamb-like lion. What makes Christ glorious, as Jonathan Edwards observed over 250 years ago, is an admirable conjunction of diverse excellencies. For example, we admire Christ for his transcendence, 
but even more because the transcendence of his greatness is mixed with submission to God. We marvel at him because of his uncompromising justice is tempered with mercy. His majesty is sweetened with meekness. In his equality with God, he has a deep reverence for God. Though he is worthy of all good, he was patient to suffer evil. His sovereign dominion over the world was clothed with the spirit of obedience and submission. He baffled the proud scribes with his wisdom, but he was, was simple enough to be loved by children. He could still the storm with the word, but would not strike the Samaritans with the lightning or take himself down from the cross. The glory of Christ is not a simple thing. It's a coming together in one person of extremely diverse qualities. This great God chose <laughs> to come to this earth, to live as flesh and blood, to live a sinless life, and then to die in your place, to lay down his life. He says, you cannot take this life from me. I lay it down. He laid it down for us. The Colossians 1.20, as we go through the scripture, and I want to encourage you to go and sit with this scripture. It just felt like there was so much I had to take out because it's, it's such a beautiful piece of scripture. So go and read Colossians 1, the whole thing. Read, read the whole book. It, it's just, just beautiful. Colossians 1.20, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. And this is where we start to come into the picture. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So Christ is not only the creator of all creation, he's the savior. He's the savior of creation. And he's pleased to dwell in us. So John 17, for you have given him authority over everyone. This is speaking about Jesus. He gives eternal life to each one of you that you have given him, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, to speaking about Jesus, the only true God, no, speaking of the Father, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. So we're going back to Colossians now, and this is the, the this is like the, the, oh, it's such an exciting piece. It's Colossians 1 verse 21. It says, this includes you. So now we're going to do a little bit of an interactive exercise. Sorry for all the introverts. But it's just with you and yourself. It's not with the person next to you. We're not quite there for some of you, but it's just you and yourself speaking to yourself. But I want you to stop and close your eyes. And where it says, this includes you, I want you to whisper to yourself. This includes me. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Say that again. This includes me. Then the next verse says, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Now I want you to whisper, I am now reconciled to Christ. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Now I want you to whisper to yourself, 
I've been brought into his presence. Now the next part is really hard, but it is in the Bible. It says this, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So I am holy and blameless as I stand before him without a single fault. And verse 23 says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the insurance you received, from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. I want, I want you to think of the things that make you feel it's hard. It's hard to sit with the Lord. Think of the, the things that have disqualified, you feel disqualified to be in his presence. And you know what, when you come and, and you, you stand before him, he looks at you and he, and he says, holy, blameless, without a single fault. Do you know why? Because he actually sees Jesus and you are in him. And, don't, and, and I know some of you are going, oh, no, 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 don't tell them that. They're going to think they can carry on sinning. When you stand with Jesus, the scriptures tell us that if you say that you know him and you do not walk the way that he walks, you're a liar. And so you can look at that and go, oh, my gosh, I better walk the way Jesus walked so that I'm not a liar. No, no, it says if you know him, you will walk the way that he walked. It's about knowing him and it's about standing with him and seeing, wait a minute, this is the image I'm created in. Wait a minute, that's how, not how I'm supposed to become and how I'm supposed to look. It's no, 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 wait a minute, that's who I am. So this thing, oh no, no, that's not who I am. Oh no, 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 wait a minute, that's sin. That stuff that I'm struggling to stop looking at, that's not who I am. That's who I am. I'm created in that image. I'm created in his image. And I'm telling you, the more you look at him, the more you will become like him. Don't listen to the, and yes, we must put that stuff off. But you cannot put it off if you are not seeing the image that you are created in, if you're not looking at Jesus and seeing who you are called to be, okay? So I want us to pray, and I want us to do business with God. And I, and it's just you and God right now. And I want you to ask him to show you what he sees. Lord, I want to ask Jesus that whatever is blurring that view, whatever sin, whatever addiction, whatever lies, self-doubt, Lord, I want to pray that those things would grow strangely dim, that we would remove those things in the light of your glory and of your grace, Jesus.
that we were to see you, Lord. That failure, if you're a mom and you feel like you're failing, that's not who you are. If you're a dad and you feel like you're just not providing well enough, put that aside. See him. You feel like you're not good and good enough, you're not being a good enough parent, or you're not being a good enough husband, or you're not being a good enough wife, you're not being a good enough employee, you're not put that aside and see him. See the mirror of who he's called you to be and allow him, allow him to to do a deep work in you today. So Lord, I want to pray, Jesus, that that as the scripture says, that we would continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it, that we would not drift away from the insurance that we received when we heard the good news. bringing us back to you, Lord. Maureen's just going to lead us in a song just in response. All our counselors lost. And let's just take a moment just to meditate on that, allowing ourselves to become united with Christ before we close today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.